Hello and welcome to Cult Picks Radio, WCPX 66.6 with me, your host, Jank Double O Nudo. And I am Peddler, Smug Peddler. <laughs> ah, good and obvious and a bit of a giveaway about the theme week Just that we're doing. Nothing, nothing, eh, only a little. Um... Nothing undercover about this. We're going all out Eurospy this week. But before we do that, the usual obligatory Roku public service announcement. We've actually had a response from Roku, um, Smut Peddler. And this came after several of our members actually very kindly took it upon themselves to contact Roku themselves. And and some of them own some shares in Roku, which is a good thing because it's been going up. And uh, pestered them. I used some back channels as well. And finally, finally, our um, support agent, if you want to call it that, got back yeah. and said they still haven't figured out what the error is. And could we try an SDK solution, which I think is software development kit? But you know, this yeah. this has all gone on too long. I'm talking to our IT people. It's a real shame that it, it should have taken this long and still not be resolved because, hey, who doesn't want to see secret agents on the big screen? Anyway, it's a shame to have to start off with always yeah. bad news. At least they're responding, which is more than they did for a month. Um, yeah. Maybe they'll respond with some good news. Do we want to talk a little bit about what happened in Berlin? Not too much. What happens tell. in Berlin stays in Berlin. <laughs> <laughs> yes, of course. Yes, we... We have uh, taken on our uh, hats as international businessmen on the road. Mm. And it was great to get to meet up with some of our um, partner companies in person, actually, because many of them, we've done Zoom calls, we've um, emailed back and forth and signed um, you know, contracts remotely, but we haven't actually sat together. And my favorite meeting, which I'm sure was your favorite too, was when we got to meet the super fun people from Nikatsu in Japan. Indeed. And they were just so welcoming. Yeah. We had both champagne and sake. Champagne and sake and exchanging of gifts. Um, you know, they got your book and we got DVDs. And um, and then we went out and went drinking more and, and sightseeing and sort of ambling around Berlin at night. So... Yeah, that was great. And I mean, both both Nikatsu and, and Kadokawa, who are situated in Japan, it's very rare to get the chance to meet them face to face. So it was a really good opportunity for us. And it sounded like there could be more films coming out of both relationships. Yeah. And um, what also um, I really liked is uh, just obviously a lot of the action is in what's known as the EFM European film market in a building called uh, the Martin Gropius Bau, which is near Potsdamer Platz, which is where the film festival is. And it's, it is a big market. It's, so it's a bunch of stands, bigger or smaller, different countries grouped together. So we talked to our friends at Screenbound. Um, we talked to, um, you know, the, the Scandinavians. But every once in a while, we'd just walk past somebody and say, hey, that looks like a cool poster. That looks like an interesting yeah. film. Now, keep in mind, most of the films on sale, there are new films or yeah. films yet to be produced. So it's difficult for us to find old films. But occasionally we do. And when we do, we become super happy and get chatting to the people. Yeah. And we have a couple of inter very interesting leads with especially Italian companies and an American company. So we will definitely see something coming out of that, I believe. 
Yeah, no further details, but definitely the Italians. And, you know, we bribed them with chocolate, so something better come of it. That's true. And also, maybe this is a good segue to today's uh, podcast, is that we met with our old friends at the Hungarian Film Archive, and that we are eagerly awaiting a uh, theme week of um, Hungarian Western movies called Easterns. Mm. Um, yes. So we're, we're just, uh, you know, um, waiting for, for the restored versions. But talking to them about Eurospy movies, they said, well, we made one in the 60s. Do you want it? <laughs> so we will probably have that added to, to our, uh, our platform. Well, and this takes us straight into the theme. I mean, we should have a theme song to play it in, but... There is only one theme song to it, and that's the theme song from the film they all copied. Um, which, interestingly, the Hungarians said, you know, they they knew the music growing up. The films were banned, but um, the music by Monty Norman and John Barry was played freely on the radio. So everybody know the dum 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 dum. So Hungarians must have made up the the films inside their heads and then produced one. That's very exciting. Yeah. Because not to get too much sidetracked, but and if we want to do this kind of genealogical, um, there were two main offshoots to um, copies of Bond films. You know, the European ones and the American ones. Obviously, the British had a small subset themselves, but the East Europeans didn't do very much. Although there were a set of Bulgarian novels of a secret agent, but I don't think they ever got turned into films. Right and. Um, so yeah, yeah so we're not I think do... the, the Brits, if we if we don't have them included, they 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 used some of of their other novels, like uh, Bulldog Drummond, for instance, as as source material. Yeah, and above all, Harry Palmer, uh, mm. played by Michael Caine. That's right. Quite compete, but he did do some good films. But yeah, no, mostly it was the Americans who did um, Our Man Flint, um, starring James Coburn, because Dean Martin yeah. was another agent. Matt Helm, and they managed not just one or two, but several of them. And of mm. course, more lastingly in Americans, there was the television versions of Bond. So there you had, obviously, Mission Impossible, The Man from Uncle, oh, yeah. um, the, the Persuaders, um, The Saint. With the, They even hired a British actor for it, this kind of wannabe secret agent um, star uh, called Roger Moore. What became of him? He became James Bond as well. <laughs> it was mainly the Italians, I would say, uh, even if it seems that looking at, at IMDb on the production countries, it's co-productions between Italy, Spain, France, Germany all the time. It's very rarely a film from one specific country. And I hadn't appreciated that Eurospy was a genre effectively in itself, especially the Italian ones, rather than the sort of you know group name you give to a film um, not made in UK or America. Mm. Um, and the fact that they even they were called the Italian ones were called spaghetti spy films, which I love I even just, more. <laughs> I just found out too. I didn't know about that. No. Um, so we have no less than thirteen of these films and two compilation films which tons of trailers are, on them yeah yeah i mean they're masterpieces in their own right because they bring together all these euro spy films including 
obviously many that we don't have on this uh, season. But in a way, it, they give you the best kind of flavor of, of these films because they're not all, let's be honest, as memorable as the Bond films. And watching the trailer gives you a pretty good idea of what to yeah, expect. And I would them. say that the budgets were never even close to the Bond films. Well, and this is maybe too soon to get into this, but why weren't they as good as the Bond films? Obviously, there are good European films, thrillers, actors, and some things were good about them. The music was great. Locations were exotic. The women were beautiful. Um, but yeah, the budgets weren't up there. But I guess it has to do with, I mean, if, if, we, if we're going to go there, it has to do with the fact that they had to grind them out really fast to, to meet the demands from the audience and, and, and the market. And they really needed to get them out there. Well, that's true, because all of these films were made between in, in the brief period between 1964 and 1968. So just four short years coming hot on the heels of the first Bond film um, and the success of the second one as well. So I guess they also didn't have much source material to go to. I mean, the Fleming novels are rightly classics. Yeah. And I mean, also, they, they came on the heels of the sword and sandal films that were sort of winding down at that time that people were not all that interested anymore. No, they were tired of them and they wanted to see something more contemporary and suave and, and sophisticated and Bond filled that gap. So obviously they had to copy it, and um, but not easy to rush things into production with mixed results. However, some of these are great fun. So Yeah, they are. Uh, and they were very, very brazen in terms of how they would copy Bond films. So um, they all wanted to be or tried to be double O something. And so the agent names are just an alphabet soup of yeah. letters and numbers. Yeah, was, and yeah. I mean, and they were all almost sued uh, by United Artists for using 007 in the beginning, at least, of, of these films. Yeah, so instead we get Agent X-77 or Agent S-03 or Z-51. And, um, you know, manly, short, Bond-type names like Harry Bell or um, Nick Mann, Jerry Land. Mm. You know, doesn't quite roll off the tongue the same, though. The name is Land, Jerry Land. I guess they must have tried it from time to time. In Italian, it probably sounds better. Yeah, yeah. And they're all, of course, dubbed into English on cult picks, which makes it also really fun with the lip-sync going haywire. Yeah, well, that's that's the beauty of Italian films. So, um, and I read somewhere. I would think it was Wikipedia that some some uh, researcher had said, "Oh, I think there must be about fifty uh, of these Eurospy movies." But you actually found a website where they list two thousand six hundred films or so, even yes. if they call them the Cold War spy movies. So they might be a broader perspective, but. I say 50 is a very, very conservative estimate. Very conservative number. Now, this beautiful website called kisskisskillkillarchive.com, um, which is a bookshop where they got a, a beautiful book project of what they call the International Spy Film Guide, which does stretch a bit longer. It's not just 64 to 68, but it's mm. from 1945 all the way up to the end of the Cold War, 1989. And you can buy this um you know, it's not even a brick. It's more like a, a brick wall laid sideways um, for a thousand pounds because it's a limited edition kind of Tashin. And um, it's got, anyway, don't want to make too much promotion for them. But yes, there are 
literally hundreds and hundreds of films yeah. that yeah, can be included. And and I think that having just watched watched trailers and parts of films, they're all super fun because they have all the ingredients you, you'd expect, but with even sillier gadgets. Shall we go into the first compilation called Operation Secrets? Secret agents, spies, and thighs. Secret service agents all over the world are in a state of alarm. Kirk Warren, the unpredictable Kirk Warren, is in action with all his favorite weapons. Kiss, kiss, bang, bang. Irresistible, elusive, subtle, unbeatable. No one can stop Kirk Warren. There was a trailer, part of the trailer of the film Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. And um, this compilation is amazing. It has 40 really, really cool uh, trailers for Euro spy, Euro thrillers. And um, they are just insane. Uh, a couple of them are actually in our theme week. So we will come to those trailers later on. But I think that at least for me, when, when we were watching them, two of them stand out. And one is, of course, Gold Ginger. Yes. <laughs> I knew you were going to pick that one. <laughs> because it has a girl painted in gold. Believe yes, it or not. and I think and that pops up in one or two other trailers as well. So yeah. shameless knockoff, um, if not outright parody. And it um, has a very big name actor as the criminal mastermind Gold Ginger, namely Fernando Rey. Fernando Rey. An old favorite. But then they also have a, a real hate object for us, and that's the uh, Italian comedy team Franci and Ingrassia, who are like a, yeah. a no-budget knockoff version of of uh, Dean Martin no, and, not, and Jerry Lewis. Yeah, it's it's not even uh, Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis, it's Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis imitators, you know, who we've featured on the show before, but yeah. it it's hard to believe something could be worse than that. These these Italians are in it's just mugging and um extended scenes of shouting and yapping and throwing your arms about um a little really bit can't of black bad things about them. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of blackface as yeah. well for good measure. And I would say that um as as the, the famous quote goes, never go full retard. <laughs> they, do. they basically and go completely over the top. Yeah. But the trailer is fun um, and it's way too long, <laughs> which is also typical. Five minutes easily. Oh, but yeah. fortunately, when you watch these trailers, you know, even though one of them is five minutes, if it's bad, there's another one right around the corner. And some of them did have actually quite good production value. It did show that there, it wasn't all uniformly poor quality, cheap, shoddy, kind of quick cash and remakes. Definitely. Um, and as I, as I, I, I quote, I said in, in, in the presentation of the, the second compilation is that all of these trailer comps are great as wallpaper at a party. You can just have them oh, running gotcha. on the wall. Great. No, definitely. And I think it's, you have your own favorite among this bunch, right? Well, um, definitely. And it is um, by none other than mega producer Dino De Laurenti. Um, and this was filmed in I mean, truly exotic and costly locations, Rio de Janeiro. And they had a mixture of uh, European-American cast, but some famous people like Terry Thomas, Mike Connors. Um, and it had a title, which I'm sure 
was a great idea in Italian. It just doesn't work and doesn't sound bondish enough in English. Kiss the girls and make them die from 1966. Kiss the girls and make them die. The most ingenious idea a genius ever devised to repopulate the world. Single-handed. Kiss the girls and make them die. A kiss-kill carnival in Rio. Kiss the girls and make them die. Yeah, I don't know which is worse. Is it sexist or just misogynist? Yeah, kiss and kill. It's a little bit of both. And and that's very much in, in line with the Bond films themselves, I guess. Yes. I would I would Beats argue. Take it. And then Beats we have take another it to 11. <laughs> yeah. And then we have another compilation called The Late 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 Show. I think that was enough lates. And this is also Euros by trailers, but it also has added other fun stuff mainly from Italy. So we get a little bit of Roman sandals, we get a little bit of Vikings, we get some spaghetti western cowboys and some musketeers. So it's a it's a crazy crazy mix of exploitation trailers. And it's which I just there. found out lately, it also has a uh, suspense short film called The Gentleman in Room 6. Ah. Just thinking out loud, we should have a subgenre on cult picks of films that are video wallpaper. Because if yeah. you think about it, we have 42nd Street Forever as well. That's right. Um, Color Correct My Cock a, 1 and 2. Color Correct My Cock, definitely. We could throw in a few of the Stag Loop films. Mm -hmm. um, Lena Skog wouldn't look yeah. out of place. You know, depending on what sort of party it's, you're throwing, it's, obviously. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's, it's like someone said, but is this safe for work? Well, <laughs> where do you work? I guess. So it's the same with the parties. Is it safe for the party? Well... If people are open-minded, yes. And that's what I love about working for Cult Picks because nothing is ever not safe for work with me. So those are great um, entry points. Ease your way into the Eurospy genre. Yes. Um, but then we've got a trio of films. Uh, most of them were kind of one-offs. Um, but these ones were actually based on a novel, much like the Fleming books, and probably why they're slightly better than the other ones, at least when it comes to the plot. So these are the Commissar X movies. And they very much took their influence from the Edgar Wallace crime novels, which sound British, but of course were German. Mm. Um, and of course, Bond, above all. So they featured Brad Harris, um, who was a genuine American actor and had a bit of a muscleman. Let's not forget Sean Connery also was Mr. Scotland, or was he Mr. Universe? He was? Wow. Yeah. He was also an undertaker and milk delivery. He had a varied career before he was um, plucked from obscurity. Right. And this is and a bit of a side note. Uh, apparently in Fleming wanted somebody more sophisticated, like David Niven, to play James Bond. You know, Sean Connery was seen as too working class. Yeah. Um, but you probably don't know the first actor to have played James Bond. The very first Hint. One. Yeah, hint. Not Sean Connery. I, I mean, I know that there was the the um, um, Casino Royale with David Niven, but I don't know if that was before the Bond, nope. first Bond. Barry Nelson. Okay. 
I mean, you haven't seen it. That no. was actually, you were halfway right. It was Casino Royale. Okay. But this was a live 1954 television adaptation, and the novel had only just come out the year before. No. So this was an American um, anthology series. So they had not just Barry Nelson as the secret agent, but Peter Laura was in it as well. Wow. So, um, yeah, only, like I said, a live TV episode. Not quite the kind of Bond film that you're thinking of, but still great one to sort of show off with your friends and really annoy them if you ask them. So who was the first actor to play James That's Bond? A good one. They'll say, yeah. <laughs> Barry you, Nelson. You will get enemies forever. And also oh. to my 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 very big excitement, I found that in both the first of these films called Kiss, Kiss, Kill, Kill, and the third one, Death Trip, we have a co-star, namely Krista Linda, who's yes. I think a German actress, but we saw her in the Swedish porn, real mm -hmm. porn film, Bellamy. Yes. So I wonder how that transition happened. That was 10 years later. Mm. Very unusual Obviously, way to, 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 to uh, trans, transit into that. But uh, yeah, well, transition. she was one of the major stars in Bellamy. No, you're right. And obviously the secret super agent films dried up, so she had to take whatever work she could. But you're right. That's not the usual trajectory. Um, no, no. It's kind of interesting. And the second film then uh, was called, I love the, the English title, Death is Nimble, Death is Quick. Mm. Got to get death in there. Yeah. And that also contains a female actress a very from a very, very big favorite film of ours. Mm. Anne Smyrner from Reptilicus. And, um, you know, that's that's a real claim to fame, I think. Mm. And in total, there were, I think, six films yeah. um, in this series, but we've only got three on cold picks, so you're just going to have to make do with those. But yeah, Maybe it's enough. Who knows? Well, especially they were cranking them out at a rate of one per year. Yeah. So, um, you know, don't have too much high expectations even no. though like i said they are probably the best ones of the lot in terms of plotting if if plot is your thing yeah cult picks so um uh, we have picked to uh illustrate these three films uh segment of the trailer from kiss kiss kill kill excitement explodes on the screen in kiss kiss kill kill when Tony Kendall, as American agent Joe Walker, discovers the underground island empire of a master criminal. <laughs> Brad Harris is the man from Washington. Against Joe or with him, he gambles his life in a deadly game of pursuit. Maria Percy is the double agent who walks a tightrope of terror and danger. Action comes at a mile a minute pace and never lets up as Agent Joe Walker is caught in a whirlpool of intrigue and adventure. And now we're going underwater. Yeah. But this might actually take the, the, the prize in terms of, of weird storyline. Yeah, they obviously try to throw everything in the kitchen sink into it. So this is about secret agent S03. Um, who's looking for a criminal nuclear base in the desert. Everything, a lot of these films, it's nuclear, atomic, secret energy, weapon, micro, 
Have I missed anything in no, the kind of no, secret right. agent bingo card? <laughs> yeah, and of, of of course the 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 headquarters are underwater or in the desert most of the time. The bad guy. Yes. Um, but just when you think this, and this is a bit of a spoiler alert here, just <laughs> when you think the film is over and and kind of come to a neat bondish conclusion, suddenly it goes all science fiction, and suddenly. They're in a spacesuit. I mean, we're not talking Moonraker kind of bad Bond science fiction. We're talking like out there, like encounters, you know, aliens kind of thing. And they go on a journey into Atlantis. And I don't know. Do we want to reveal anything more? No, I, I think that's uh, that would whet my appetite if someone told me this. I would immediately have a look at it for sure. Yes. I also love how, you know, and maybe we'll get into this, but you mentioned the fact that they were often Italian actors getting English names, mm -hmm. as they did in Spaghetti Westerns and other ones. But thus, Bernardina Sarocco becomes Bernard Rock. Bernard Rock, that's right. Yeah. And I also love how she's been uh, described in some liner notes here, uh, that the the agent still is forced to bed Bernardina Sarocco, a short, busty <laughs> Italian powerhouse of a woman. Who doesn't want a short, busty Ex Italian powerhouse of a woman? Exactly my thoughts. Exactly. Perfect. Takes my boxes. for Lost Plane to Balbec, 1963. Italian-French-Lebanese. Yeah, it's interesting how a couple of uh, exotic countries, production countries, are thrown into the mix here, that they shot them probably in, in uh, different exotic locations. And, uh, well, they had a production company in Lebanon, obviously, as well. Yes, and it crops up more than once. And we actually got contacted by um, an old friend of Cold Picks, uh, shout out to uh, Twisted Movies or Magic Nostalgic, who um, was super intrigued by this because I don't think you get to see that many films, especially international films, um, shot in Lebanon. But yes, this one was, and so it should with having a, the city of Baalbek in the title, which yeah. again, I don't know, does that entice multiplex crowds? Although they did have multiplexes back then. Uh, to go to and me, it's, see this it's, To me, it sounds like a, a German beer. Yeah. Can I have a Baalbek, please? <laughs> that I would want. Yeah, but it has a Even major star in it. And that's not it the star doesn't... of the film itself. No. Are we talking about Yoko? We're talking no, about we're Yoko not. and we're talking about George. George Saunders. This yeah. was a real surprise. Again, late career, difficult acting choices. Um, by the great uh, George Saunders, but yes, he pops up in two of our films. Yeah, and and so does Yoko Tani, who, who was um, um, well, she was of Japanese descent, but she was actually born and bred in France, French. and having mm. to play 
you know, Asian a generic Asian typecast, yeah, that kind of thing. Um, but this film to me is interesting because it is uh, one of those few out, out of these films films where you cannot guess the end, where all the all the tables are turned. Mm. I gave a bit too much away already by that. No, but no spoiler, but it actually no. has a bit of a epic plot. Me having dissed the plots of on previous occasions for these films, but yeah. No, there's definitely a surprise or two in store. Not least, um, and this is me nitpicking, the Italian title was FBI Operazione Balbec, which yeah. must be a twist because I think the FBI, you know, handed over the international stuff to the CIA. But maybe this is a twist in the film. Yeah, you're right. I, That's right. I That's a, like nothing, a more internal nothing. bureau. That's right. <laughs> God damn. Yeah. But it also has a super intense uh, soundtrack. Yeah. I think the the main interesting thing about it is it in English it was called Baraka X seventy seven, where the original title was Baraka X thirteen. But it's interesting. Why would would X thirteen be harder to 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 say in the box office when you buy the tickets? Is X seventy seven even better? I don't know. Um, maybe the bad luck number associated with with something. Oh, that could be it. Baraka X-77 is just more James Bondish. It's got the 7, X secret, you know, 13. It just gives up a bad vibe. Yeah. So maybe the And French also, of course, a secret formula. It. It's always the secret formula. Always secret formula. This one for solid fuel, because liquid fuel is just so helpful in filling up tanks. But no, stored as pellets. Um, so, yeah. Um, gangsters crash a plane uh, to get their hands in the formula and obviously only agent x77 or x13 depending on your country uh, can swing to the rescue with the help of a lovely nurse moving on passport to hell from 1965 um, also called a agente tre es tre pasaporto per l'inferno obviously yeah that's also passport to hell but this agent is 3S3, so that's... Um, that's that's too confusing. You shouldn't stick, you know, letters in the middle of numbers. You know, I, they should go at the beginning. Yeah. Surely we Very can complex. agree on that, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Just call them S33. And this contains, which many of them do also, the lovely idea of karate chopping. I don't know how much chopping there is in, in real karate, but it was a very popular thing back in the day. Well, and in the trailers, I love the fact that they deliver these most girly of karate chops, you know, the kind of ones that your masseuse might finish off with on your back, you know, and that's enough to fill, you know, the biggest, baddest baddie. Um, what did Kitty Lash call them? You know, they're real wuss chops. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. add a sound effect to them and 
yeah, you can get away with it. Yeah, but this has all the ingredients. So it's 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 someone described as pop art comic strip images, complete with a cool '60s spy theme. And of course, the spy theme was was composed by none other than Piero Umiliani. Umiliani, our favorite. Yes. And why is he our favorite? Uh, because he made the theme that is not, definitely not the Muppet theme. Right. It's the theme from Heaven and Sweden, Heaven and Hell. Correct. Um, and this is kind of fun. I found a, a piece of, of the uh, the action of the film in, on YouTube, actually. And, and we, we picked that because there is dialogue going on. There's some pretty cool one-liners from a bad guy and the good guy. And then there's this crazy, echoing, weird male voice that is obviously the same voice as in Mana Mana. But you better not push it. Finish your drink and clear out of here. But I'm just beginning to have fun. This place is more jumpy than a flea circus. Okay. This one I love. I love the idea that it's a um, Cuban colonel who creates mm. a hit team of hitmen to assassinate a foreign leader. And Agent Rod Cooper has to save the day. And Rod Cooper is played by an American actor who was in like a dozen uh, European uh, spy movies in the 60s called Lang Jeffries. And I he, he might as well have been called Lang Jeffries in the film. I think Lang Jeffries and Rod Cooper are both really solid male yeah, secret uh, agent names. names. Yeah. No, he was vaguely famous. And he played in both Italian and French and Spanish spy movies in, in those brief years what i particularly love about this in the description is that not only is there this cuban colonel who's training assassins uh terrorist organizations blah 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 he then has to deal with quote shapely lesbian heroin addicts someone had had a had a great day writing the screenplay for this i, I did and yeah why you called beckett I guess it adds a bit of cultural credence. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a Beckett film <laughs> with shapely lesbian heroin addicts. What's the rush? Or are you getting anxious to pull that trigger? No, I'm not anxious. I never killed anyone. You're the criminal. We have so many of these, we need to pick up our pace if we're going to get through them all before the end of the day. So quickly on to Desperate Mission, which yes. is where more nuclear scientists, check, uh, encounter with a group of Japanese judo experts, check. Okay, not karate, judo, close, not check. Agent Z51, or Z51, if he's American, uh, is on top of the case uh, until he's knocked off and has to be investigated by Agent ZZ55. Uh, I was going to find the scientist. And 
what I really like about this film is not so much the plot or the um, actors or the music even, it's the location. It's, it's beautifully shot, uh, colonial, British colonial Hong Kong in 1965. Again, that time capsule thing that we keep banging on about. Yes, that's really part of the of the fascination with a lot of these old films, that you can see how the world looked back in the day. Mm. And of course, it wasn't enough to try to find a local Hong Kong actor-actress. Um, they schlepped over poor Yoko Tani from France or wherever she was shooting yeah. in Europe yeah. to be in this. Um, but and just a side note, she was... She was most famous, I think, for the film The Savage Innocence, where she starred against Anthony Quinn, where they are mm. both both supposed to be Inuits. Or oh, yes. Known as Eskimos. Yes. Rubbing their noses together yeah. for cuteness. Yeah. yeah. And there's a, there's a really fun uh, spaghetti western connection because both German Kobos, who's the star of the film, very strange first name German Kobos mm. was in a lot of uh, spaghetti westerns like Fury of the Apaches and Professor Larson was played by Paco Sanz who was also oh. a spaghetti western veteran including uh, Django Kill so that's pretty cool mm. my namesake I find yeah. it interesting they didn't just feel the need to change anglicize the you know some of the actors names but even the director Robert B. White um was Roberto Bianchi Montero, yeah. um, but and that makes anything sense. to make, yeah, anything well to make it sound more Terence Youngish, I suppose. So. Yes. And then moving on to titles, uh, this is I, I, <laughs> this is kind of a like a dad joke. Man on the spying trapeze. Not, what does that even mean? <laughs> yeah, it means almost like the flying trapeze, but it's spelled with S P. Okay, it's let's stupid. run the secret agent bingo here very quickly. Um, we've got nuclear secrets. Check. Yeah. Um, false teeth containing mini camera. Check. Uh, karate chops. Check. Uh, Beirut. Back again. Check. Absolutely. Exotic clubs. Good. <laughs> yes. Um, and again, the music uh, stands out because it is our friend Piero Umiliani once more. It's and because he did, I mean, he did shitloads of spaghetti westerns, the Euro spy films, but um, he was a craftsman. And you can definitely yes. tell that from the music. And, and, and very recognizable most of the time. So it's, it's really cool. All I want to know is the name of the person that sent you. That's all. No, I can't tell you. They would kill me. Hey, there's a body over here. <laughs> Take it easy. I don't usually go to an amorous rendezvous armed. The narco men. Surprisingly downbeat, and again, no spoilers here, but a little bit darker than the other flight, light and fluffy and frothy uh, yeah. Euro spy films. It's made um, in 68. Maybe they were getting more serious by then. I think so. And also this mm. one is more heavily Spanish than yeah. some of the other ones or yeah. more Italian flavored. Um, but this one is about no nuclear secrets, about a, a drug shipment um, and some 
pretty unpleasant uh, bad guys in this rather than kind of over-the-top bondish villains. Um, there's one particular scene where um, after tracking a lead to a, a hippie nightclub. Those um, hippie nightclubs, I remember them so well. <laughs> <laughs> um harry bell our secret agent he's um you know beaten up they uh douse him with gasoline and he almost gets you know turned into a sunday roast so not fun stuff it's actually pretty um grim pretty brutal yeah, yeah pretty grim so 68 wasn't a very fun year clearly yeah and then also yeah, and also the interesting thing is that it's about this sort of gap between a straight spy guy and a hippie girl. So um, they 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 can't really relate to each other, can't talk to each other. So uh, and there's some in an unintentionally funny philosophical dialogue there. And, and I guess the bottom line of the film is that spies and hippies don't mix. And this is a a Bond thing as well. The, the more Bond tried to engage with contemporary culture, if you think about um, Live and Let Die, mm. with the jive Bond, That's that right. is one of the most cringeworthy, I think, of the Bond adaptations. So moving on to Operation White Shark. And uh, this is actually one that I think is one of the coolest ones. Um, mm. It's called AD3, Operazione Squalo Bianco in Italian, and uh, it concerns the criminal organization, the Third Eye. And they have to obviously kidnap a nuclear scientist, Czech, and his mm. name is Professor von Kraft. Yeah. Von Power, I love that. And uh, it actually steals a lot straight out of uh, the Bond film, Dr. No. And we have some undersea headquarters here as well, Czech on that. Um, I think there's a fun connection for us, really a new and fun connection. There's something we only knew about since about a week, and that's the actress Janine Renault, this French actress mm. who had a lot of acting roles in the in the 60s, um, especially in, in Eurospy films. But she later went on to do sexploitation with Jess Franco in films like Succubus, Sadist Erotica, and Kiss Me Monster which were all incidentally made in 1967. Huh. But the connection to Culpix is she was married to the actor slash director Michel Lemoine. And we will have, I think it's five of his films coming up yes. later this spring. Brig drum roll. We've known for a while we were going to have a week with our friends uh, from Paris. We just didn't know exactly which films. Uh, we kind of knew the genre, of course. But yes, we're super thrilled when we found out that it was going to be these uh, Michel Lemoine because yeah. they are classics of their kind. That's right, friends. It's me, Mark Andrews, in the flesh. And man, I'm in trouble up to my ears. Mark! Because, you see, I was supposed to be the ace in the hole. But all I got was trouble. I was off to a bad start. There were too many sharks after the bait. Finally. We have come to the end. <laughs> <laughs> and not just any end. We have password no. kill agent Gordon. 
and just a little think from my part, um, the enemies have changed over the years in these spy movies. We have obviously had the, the Soviet Union as a big one. We've had the Chinese, uh, we've had some of the, uh, you know, Islamistic terrorists lately. And we've seen one example already this theme week of Cuba. But here, oddly enough, we have the uh, uh, secret agent Doug Gordon uh, fighting the Viet Cong. Yes, this was a surprise. But of course, very much of its time, because if you're at 64 to 68 and this one film came yeah. smack in the middle in 66, that was at the height uh, or escalation of the Vietnam War and America's involvement in that. So that was obviously a shadow and they, they, this film tackles it head on. Um, again, I'm not sure how successful they do it, but it, they did use um, plenty of exotic locations other than Vietnam, uh, Paris, Tripoli, Madrid. Yeah. And I also and, like um, the fact that this is not about, you know, we are so used to world domination and, and the, the uh, bomb, the final bomb to, to destroy the world. Here, it's about a cigarette lighter. Mm. It doesn't it's, sound it's like a big call. thing. No, I guess it's a MacGuffin. It can Probably. maybe control, you know, contains Something nuclear solid fuel power. Yeah, there's, also, there's always a secret formula, isn't it? Formula. Yeah. Thank you. And here we have one. also a, a connection, of course, with, with the Bond movies. We have a female, beautiful Russian spy that he, uh, the agent, the US agent has to team up with. Yes. Like, was it in The Spy Who Loved Me? They had that theme in the Bond movies. It was, yes. That was yeah. their detente film. Of, yeah. Um, so this is also something I'll... that really much, very much happened at that time. Definitely. Um, we should, um, yeah, let's, let's have a listen to a dialogue scene. My intuition tells me that you have a certain empathy for our poor Karen. Oh, well, I suppose you'll be upset that I have to punish the girls. I shall enjoy watching both of you. Damn both of you for your nosiness. <laughs> Can you hear her? Pretty voice, so a bit forced, isn't it? Now you're overacting, but my dear Gordon, that's only the beginning. <laughs> and during the second act, your frustration will reach fever pitch. Well, Karen, you mustn't let me down. Before we finish, we should mention one other film that has already been on Culpix for a while because it definitely fits into the Eurospy kind of Bond knockoff. Yeah, uh, it's very genre. close to our hearts also with, very. The, with the Swedish connection. Champagne Rose is Dead, beautifully yeah. restored by the British Film Institute. A and, bit late, uh, though, 1970. Yeah, so it doesn't strictly fit the 64 to 68, but uh, in every other regard. And of course, it's, there's nothing Italian about it. This mm. one is British, Dutch, Swedish. So it gives a kind of counter flavor to what these, you know, South European Catholic influence set in Lebanon. Um, and it also like. is, as it's a bit late, it's also much more paranoid and also pretty psychedelic, which is cool. Yes. Definitely a psychedelic bond. So 
be sure to check that one out as well. Um, and once you've done that, just go back and rewatch the trailer because you know, there's nothing more fun than having those on even just in the background. And we should mention that, as always, there is a Spotify playlist, which uh, this week is particularly exciting because we do get to feature some truly, truly great music from the yeah. films. So, and maybe that's get... what I like the best about all of these films: the the m- music, that agent guitar, twanging guitar thing, and often uh, themes sung by a, a female singer. Also, like, well, the way they did the Bond theme songs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, it's it's definitely one of the best things about it. But do check out, um, you know, the whole series. Uh, if you had to pick out one film out of all of those, which one would it be? Well, I, I would say that I'm very excited of, of, about Operation White Shark because also having just watched a part of it is that the, the bad guy is a, a, a bad transvestite. Mm, yes. And and that's, <laughs> uh, that came as quite a... Surprise, I must say. Very sadistic one as well, which is also kind of typical. Yeah. Um, and I'd you? Probably go for the, yeah, I'd probably go for the Beckett affair um, okay, because cool. it's it's like a fun, you know, in these dark and grim winter months, it's a fun tour of Europe uh, in a kind of more sunlit and carefree time. So, yeah. You know, and I think the whole theme holiday. week, or actually two theme weeks, are a real, you know, vitamin pill for this dark age we live in because these are even if it was the cold war these are sort of innocent silly times where you could it's basically boys with their toys aren't aren't they all of these films yes and women painted with gold exactly Wow. Thank you, as always, for joining us. You've been listening to Cold Picks Radio, WCPX 66.6. That is not a secret agent number. With me, your host, Django Nudo. And your comic sidekick, the Smut Peddler. Until next time. Goodbye. Mm-hmm.